Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome every guest who's here today. I'm so glad that you're with us. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I grew up in the arcade. I shared that last week, but I have so many memories. I have so many experiences that that I I gathered and, and grew up in in the arcade, but but I have to let you know, uh, maybe some of you can relate to this. There's something significant about watching the screens and moving the controllers and pressing the triggers and the buttons that will get you to blow up. Anyone know what I'm talking about? If you've ever blown up because of a video game, you ever gotten angry because of an arcade machine, could you make some noise right now? <laughs> Perfect place for imperfect people. Like, that's what happens. And my children, again, maybe you can relate to this. My children, we have to limit their screen time. This is a thing now. Because when we take the screens away from them, they go crazy. They act like little addicts. They're like, no, I, I need my fix, dad. And they, their, their temper is, is shortened. Their fuse is, is, is smaller now. And the way that they treat other people, it, it, it's, it's sinful because of the screen time. And I realized, though, they act that way because they learned it from their father, the devil, <laughs> me. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I have blown up because of video games. I have thrown PlayStation controllers at the screen over a game called Super Puzzle Fighter. It's like Tetris. Why am I getting so mad at a puzzle game? I don't know, but it got me angry. I've broken Sega Genesis games. I've kicked people out of my house because they beat me in Guitar Hero. Like, I have lost it over video games. Anyone grow up in Dade County? Make some noise. Anyone grow up in Broward County? Make some noise. We had this place. You have Galaxy. We had Ice Castle Ice Arena. If you remember Ice Castle, it was the place to be. We had Hot Wheels and then we had Ice Castle. It was an ice skating rink. And I remember there was Star Wars. The Star Wars game was at Ice Castle. And one day I'm playing it. It's not a very fun game, but it's very challenging. And it got me so upset about how difficult it was. And so anger welled up within me and I began to kick the machine with my ice skates on and I broke the coin slot so no one else could play it. But nobody cared. I was upset, but nobody cared because it's Star Wars. But then you bring it back to the greatest combat arcade game of all time, Street Fighter II. Come on, Street Fighter II, love it. Hype, the hyper version came out, and I was a pro at Street Fighter II, but I had to learn how to play the new hyper version with new moves and new combos, and so I make it all the way to the final boss, M. Bison, and I can't beat him, and I'm so frustrated. I put in quarter after quarter after quarter. I cannot beat M. Bison, and it led me to this outburst of anger where I just started smashing the console, saying, I can't believe it. Why can't I beat him? And I made the fierce punch button get stuck in everyone in the arcade was furious with me. We can't play the game now because you messed it up. Listen, maybe you can't relate to any of those things, but here's what I do know, that all of us, all of us have experienced anger in our lives. Amen? As we continue the series called Triggers and Buttons, we're talking about how we can be aware of what happens in these moments so that we can strengthen our mental health, so we can be all that God has called us to be as we strengthen our mental health. Because mental health is not a game. It's not something that we should see as a stigma. It is serious. Mental health is not a game. And we've said this many times, and I want you to understand that it's okay to not be okay. 
Let's take the stigma off of mental illness. It's okay for you to be in, in a difficult situation, but it's not okay and God does not want you to stay there. And so in this teaching series, we're learning how we can strengthen our mental health so we can be aware of what's in our mind so that we can go and, and grow to the next level of what God wants to do in and through our lives. But the whole purpose is we can't do that simply by desire. A lot of us, we desire to grow, but that's not enough. We have to get there by design. We have to be intentional. Like it says in Romans chapter 12, verse two, read this with me again, read it out loud. It says this, it says, do not be conformed to the world, but what? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Let's read together that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have to be intentional and, and renewing our mind. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Just like we have to be intentional if we're trying to grow in our physical strength and our physical growth of, of how often we work out and what we ingest, the same is true with our spiritual and our mental health. We have to be intentional. And so we're talking through buttons and triggers. And last week we talked about our triggers. Today, I want to talk about our buttons. And some of you, maybe you're visiting for the first time today. Let me define some terms like we did last week. This is follow-up for some of you for last week. Today, it's new. I want you to write this down. A trigger is something internal that you believe that makes you respond with anxiety. If you've ever been triggered, oftentimes it's something external uh, that, that, that happens that you believe in your mind that's basically a lie, and now you respond with anxiety. But here's what a Button is. A button is something external that you endure. When someone pushes your buttons, they're literally touching you. They're literally doing things that get you upset. And a button is something external that you endure that makes you respond with anger. I want to talk about our buttons today. Say anger. anger. Perfect place for imperfect people. How many of us, by show of hands, would admit today that we have blown up in anger before in our lives? Let me see. Yeah, I think it's every hand. If it's not, you're either asleep or you're a liar. Either one of them is not good. <laughs> Here's some fun facts about anger. Did you know that women, they have an outburst of anger on average three times a week? What about the men? Is it more or less? What do you think? It's more. It's double. The average man has an outburst of anger about six times a week. Women tend to get more angry at people Men tend to get more angry at things. We break Street Fighter II Hyper Edition. Women, when they are angry, they are often more verbal. Talk, they nag, tell you everything you did wrong. But men, men are more physical. I see you guys already know this. But it doesn't matter how you respond to anger. Here's the problem with anger. Anger is bad for our health. In fact, scientists and researchers have, have found at least 51 illnesses that come out of anger. If we are anger often, it, it increases our risk of cardiac arrest or strokes. In fact, researchers in Harvard have found that those who are continually anger, their immune system is actually weakened. It, it's difficult for your body to fight off sickness when you are anger. But it's not just our physical, it's also our mental. 
You know, proctologists have actually found that anger can lead to a literal pain in your rear, but it's not just that, it's, it's what happens in our mind. In the Journal of Cognitive Behavior Therapy in 2012, researchers found that anxiety can actually, in, uh, that anger can actually increase your anxiety. When you are angered, now it's like, I, I don't know how to deal, and you are more anxious inside. In fact, they continued the research and they found that people who hold the anger within, it actually increases your depression. When you don't tell people how you're feeling in the moment, it increases this, this darkness called depression in your mind and your life. And then the University of Michigan furthered that in over a 17-year study, they found that people who keep anger to themselves have a much shorter life than those who tell other people that they are mad. So this is bad. This is bad for our health. But here's the reality of life. You ready for it? For us to be healthy in life, we need people. We need relationships. And people aren't perfect. And what tends to happen is Imperfect people will push your buttons often, which will cause you to explode in anger. So how do we handle this? How do we take control over our buttons so we can be healthy? I want you to turn your Bible to James chapter one. You can follow along on the screens or in your app as well. James chapter one, starting in verse two, here's what it says. It says, count it all joy. Say joy. Oh, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. All of us were experiencing trials. Some of it's mental, emotional, relational, spiritual, physical. All of us are guaranteed that in this world we will have tribulation, says Jesus. But he continues on in verse 12. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So it's a joy that we experience trials because in the trials our faith is tested it produces character in us and for those who pass the test for those who endure the trial is an opportunity for us to stay steadfast for us to be consistent this is what James is saying now that sounds really spiritual and good but how many of us know the reality is when we are in a trial and we're experiencing things on the outside oftentimes inside we're filled with anxiety and when we're filled with anxiety because the trial that's happening around us that we have little to no control over when imperfect people surround us they have the tendency to push our buttons and get us angry outwardly so he says this in verse 19 he says know this my beloved turn to someone say you're my beloved you're my beloved right God wants us to know that's where we begin three times in James chapter 1 God is going to let us know that he is a father who loves us. That's where he starts. Know this, my beloved. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to what? Anger. anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I want to say this, and some of you may not understand this as we begin, but you need to know that anger is not a bad emotion. A lot of us, we grew up learning that there's good emotions and there's bad emotions. And anger is a bad emotion. That is a lie. You know what set me free from this lie that, that holy people are not angry people? 
What set me free from this lie is when I saw Pastor Johnny get angry. Uh, yeah, right? Like, Pastor John, he's always happy. I mean, that's who he is. He's so encouraging. He tells funny jokes. He's so consistent. And then one day, several years ago, I saw Johnny get upset. And I'm like, well, hold on. Johnny gets angry? I've, I've never experienced that before. And that set me free from this lie that anger is not something that the people of God should experience. Because what I've noticed with Johnny from sharing life with him and looking at his example is the way that he handles his anger is in a godly way. It's a righteous anger. So I want you to write this down. Anger is not ungodly or sinful. Uncontrolled anger is. Anger is not ungodly or sinful. Uncontrolled anger is. Because there's a lot of, of, of situations in our existence where anger is actually the most appropriate response. When someone is out to abuse your child or someone that you love, anger is the appropriate response. When we look at the world and culture and we see injustice or we see racism or murder or rape happen, anger is an appropriate response to that. So it's not wrong to be angry. Turn to someone and say, it's not wrong to be angry. Uh, I believe this is setting some people free today. I believe some people, you're getting some permission to be angry. That's not what I'm saying. Anger is not wrong. And when we look at, at injustice in the world and evil in this world, that is what's wrong. And if you don't feel angry about those things, you're not emotionally agreeing with what God has determined is good. So anger can actually be a positive motivator for good. It could be a catalyst that, that, that enables you to stop sitting around and waiting for something to happen and for you to actually do something in that situation. Anger is not always wrong. It's not sinful. It's not always ungodly. So the question is this, what is godly anger? Is my anger godly or is it sinful? Is it good anger or is it bad anger? Is it anger that agrees with God or is it anger that leads to, to that doesn't lead to the righteousness of God? How do we know the type of anger that we are experiencing and living out? A good way to determine that is to ask, how do you respond when you're angry? Again, anger isn't ungodly or sinful. Uncontrolled anger is. And so I want to share just three possible ways that we respond in anger that are uncontrolled and sinful. Let's see if this relates to us. First one is this. How do you handle your anger? Do you shoot people down? Are you just like a machine gun that sprays on anybody? Do you shoot people down? There's this arcade game that I used to play at the AMC movie theaters growing up. It was called Terminator 2. Uh, how many of you guys remember this game? Like four of you, five of you. Okay, I see some gray hairs raising their hand. The pur purpose of the game was this. You hold down the trigger and you just spray. That's all you do. There was no consequence if you hit your own teammate. The whole purpose was just to shoot out as many bullets as you can to destroy everything. And that's what some people do when they're angry. 
You know they're angry because they're just mowing down people with their anger, with their violence, with their cursing, with with the things that they throw. People who just shoot other people, they kill people. And we see an example of that in the Bible, Genesis chapter four. It says this, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so Cain was very what? He was angry. Again, anger is not necessarily sinful or ungodly, uncontrolled is. And his face fell, verse six. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? I know you feel angry, but if you're willing to listen and learn and to identify what's happening in your mind and then change your actions based off of that, you can grow from this. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, listen to this. This is for some of us today. Sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. You must learn how to control your anger. Verse eight, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they're in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Did he control his anger? No, this this type of anger that just shoots and sprays and machine guns people, it's not healthy, it's sinful, and it will destroy you. How do you handle your anger? Do you stay silent until all the weight crushes you? Do you just say, everything is fine, and you just kind of go on with your life without saying a word? Now, here's what's important about video games. It's not just what you see, it's what you hear. So you can, you can identify sounds to what's happening on the screen so that you can grow and get better at it. And many of you are familiar with this game called Space Invaders, right? It's one of the first games out in the arcade. Now, when this game first came out, there was no sound with it. So you can see the aliens coming down to eventually crush you and you can learn how to move and maneuver and to shoot them to get rid of them But this game was such a challenge when it first came out because people couldn't hear the sound. So they couldn't always tell what's happening. Where are they gonna go? What's the pace at which they're moving? Is it speeding up? It's important for us to speak and to give sound and share how we are feeling. Because we talked about the research. We were not meant to keep anger inside of us. It gives people ulcers. It gives them headaches. It increases their heart rates. We need to learn to to speak and not just say, everything's fine. No, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, no, everything is okay. And, and, And you continue to go on throughout your life with this anger simmering in your heart. You know what that makes you? A liar. And that is sinful. But even worse, it's bad for your health. It will destroy you. How do you handle your anger? Do you sabotage others and then try to get even? Is that what you do? Do you manipulate to get your way and get even? Third game I want to talk about is this game called Rampage. Anyone remember Rampage? This game, yeah, it was in the arcade. Anyone by show of hands? Let me see, let me see. We, okay, quite a few of you. The whole purpose, it was a cooperative game. You played with two other people and you were supposed to destroy the city that you were in. 
But here's the thing. Even though it was a cooperative game, you were also scored individually at the end of every level. And so what could happen if someone was beating you or if someone did something that you wanted to do, you could get revenge on them by throwing dynamite at them or punching them in the face or knocking down the building which they're at so they fall and they lose health and then you win. You can sabotage people. You can manipulate and get even. Is that how you handle anger? See, the model of a sabotager is we don't just get mad, we get even. And so I'm going to find a way to exact revenge to get what I want to do, what I want, so that you look bad and I don't get caught. Because that, that was the thing in this video game. You know, that this manipulation, this sabotage wasn't so, so, so out in the open. It, it was sly. It was secretive. You'd say things like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry that I, that I punched you. I'm sorry that I knocked the bell. I was, trying to, I was trying to beat the level for us. And that's what happens. Is that how you handle anger? Do you work behind the scenes so you can look good and they can look bad so you can prop yourselves up and get even at them? This is not your notes, but listen to what Romans 12, 2 says. It says, dear friends, never take revenge. Don't take revenge. Leave that up to the righteous anger of God. Give it to God. Release it to God. Let him handle it. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. How do you handle your anger? Again, anger isn't always bad. Uncontrolled anger is. And so the issue is not to get rid of all the anger in our lives. The issue is to control it. To use our anger in a constructive, not a destructive way. And the Bible tells us how. Ephesians chapter 426. Turn there, follow along on the screens. Here's what it says. It says, be angry and what? Be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. What he doesn't say is, don't get angry. No, he insinuates, you're gonna get angry. And when you get angry, use it in a constructive way to build up. Let it be a catalyst to do something for the good instead of being destructive. We can be angry and not sin. Remember, we're made in the image of God, right? And in the Bible, we see at least 375 times where God or Jesus get angry. But it's righteous anger. It's not our reactive anger. It's not our anger to beat people down, to punish them. It is a righteous anger. God got angry. And so to help us determine whether or not our anger is righteous or, or doesn't lead to the righteousness of God, whether it's helpful or whether it's sinful, we have to ask the question, is what I'm angry about what God's angry about? God got angry, but am I angry at the same things God is angry about? Is God upset with the same things that I'm upset about? Because if God is not upset, why are we? If what I'm angry about is something that, that, that God disregards, then that's not gonna grow me into who I need to be to be used by him. That's not gonna help strengthen me. What's God angry about? 375 times in the Bible, we hear that God or Jesus got angry. In the New Testament, at least 60 times, we, we get a picture of the emotions that Jesus felt. He's fully God. He's fully man. He has a whole range of emotions. 
And the number one emotion that we hear about in Jesus in the New Testament is compassion. Isn't that good? He's a gracious, compassionate God. He sees the state that we're in. He empathizes, he sympathizes, and he brings help. His number one emotion that we experience is compassion. But there are at least two occasions where we see Jesus getting angry. One of them is found here in Mark chapter three, verse five. It says this, it says, and he looked around at them with anger and grieved at the hardness of heart. He said to the man, stretch out your hand and he stretched it out and he was restored. You can go back home and read that entire chapter for yourself, but here's a context of what we just read. When God created everything, he did it in six days. And then he took a seventh day to rest. And so when he created us, he says, here's how it's gonna work. You're gonna have a six day work week. This is where you do all of your work. And then you must take one day to rest. A little pro tip for the future of what we're gonna talk about in this series. Rest is so important. Some of you, you're wondering why your mental health is not good. It's because you're not taking time to rest. You're not taking time to step back and, and let God do the work so that you can be refilled. So God says, six days you're gonna work, one day you're gonna rest. This is the Sabbath. The Sabbath literally means to, to rest. But the religious leaders of that time, they, they, they tend to think that, that God did a good job, but I can finish it. So let me fill in some of the gaps. Let me help God with what he said to us. And so what the religious hypocritical leaders did is they wrote down a long laundry list of all the things you can do and cannot do on the Sabbath. And so we have Jesus here who's looking at a man who's sick, who's been unhealthy for most of his life. And because he has compassion, he wants to bring help. But it's the Sabbath. And so Jesus, he decides, I'm gonna heal this man that I love on the Sabbath that I created. All the while, the religious leaders, they're angry at Jesus because he's doing work on the Sabbath and not following the rules they created. And Jesus is now angry at them because they don't want this man who needs help to be healed. So in this picture, we have the religious hypocrites who are angry, and we have Jesus who is angry, and their anger is wrong. And his anger is right. His anger is righteous. So what gets Jesus angry? I want you to write this down. Jesus gets angry at man-made religious rules that get in the way of helping hurting people. In fact, I'm just reminded of a third instance where Jesus got angry. At the temple, people were trying to sell and make a profit off of sacrifices and Jesus flipped over the tables and made up. He was angry, but it was a righteous anger. Why? Because Jesus gets angry at man-made religious rules that get in the way of helping hurting people. If you're here today, you're watching online, you're at Everglades Correction, you're saying, I don't really care for religion. I don't know that I wanna be part of a religion. We're not here to offer you a religion. We're here to offer you a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because religion... Religion makes up rules to rule over people and to punish them. But a relationship with Jesus is, is hope, it's peace, it's forgiveness of sin, 
It's freedom. And all this is found in what God has done through his son. That's what, what Jesus came to bring. So Jesus, he gets angry when religion gets in the way of people that he loves getting help. There's another occasion, though, that we see Jesus getting angry, and we talked about it a few weeks ago at Easter. If you were here at Easter, I'm not going to expound upon it too much. You can, you can go to uh, our website or app and, and, and watch that sermon. We break it down a little bit more in detail. But, but we see Jesus getting angry at Lazarus' death. John eleven thirty three. it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, this is Lazarus' sister, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. A few passages earlier, we find out what this emotion is. It is anger. A deep anger welled up within him. Why? Because Jesus gets angry at sin leading to death. When we were created, we were not created to experience death. We are created to be in the perfect presence of God forever. But then we sin, and now because of our sin, we are separated from a perfect God. And this sin that we commit, this rebellion, this living for our own ways and not God's ways, this living for ourselves and not for him. The Bible says that because God is just, the penalty of this sin is eternal separation from him. We can't bring our sinful selves in the presence of a holy God. This breaks Jesus' heart. This gets him angry. We were not created to experience death and sin leads to death. And so what gets Jesus angry? Write this down. Jesus gets angry at sin and death that harms people he wants to help. Jesus gets angry at sin and death that harms people that he so loves that he wants to help. Are we getting angry at the same things Jesus is? If, if you are angry at the destructive power of substance abuse, you share the heart of Jesus. If someone you love has been diagnosed with cancer and you are angry, you share the heart of Jesus. If you are fed up and sick and tired of religion and rules and sin and death, you share the heart of Jesus. Are we angry and upset about the same things that Jesus is. Because that's righteous anger. That's anger that will make a difference when we do something about it. Now again, this whole series is about strengthening our mental health. And I've been very honest and transparent with you over the past two years, man. The defecation hit the oscillation. Things have not been good. I was surprised at just how God just drew people to himself and set them free. Because the past two years, I just got so settled with, with status quo and, and, and experiencing a lack and, and less than. And over the past two years, I've had to strengthen my mental health. I've had to grow and, and grow up and get to the next level of what God wants to do in my mind and in my heart so he can use my life. And when I look at my life over the past two years and the things that I have gotten angry about, I have found that most of them were selfish or entitled things or, or, or me being frustrated at insignificant things, but in return... My mental health has been affected in significant ways. 
Am I angry about the same things he's angry with? And if I can be honest with you, my wife is online today. She's uh, cheerleading on our, on our online campus. I asked her permission. Can I talk about this? She says, hey, if you want to, go for it. I have found that over the past two years, where I've gotten the most angry is in my home with my children. Now, for those of you who don't have kids and for those of you who do have kids, let me explain this to you. When you have children, ultimately, they will do something annoying. Amen? If you got children with you, don't look at them and say you're annoying. But, but they will ultimately do something that is annoying, that is irritating. And if we can't look at the situation the way that God sees the situation, it can so easily turn to unrighteous anger where now we are punishing and we are putting fear in the hearts of the children that God has entrusted us to raise up in his grace and his love and his truth. So when I look at my life and how I'm going to strengthen my mental health and, and not allow my buttons to be easily pushed, what I have to understand and what God has been teaching me over these past two years is that there is a significant difference. Listen to this. A significant difference between sin and mistakes. God is angry about sin. Sin separates us from him. Sin leads to death. But mistakes, God is not upset with mistakes. Mistakes is what we do as people, right? We're imperfect. We are going to make mistakes. We're not going to get everything right the first time all the time. And that's okay. So with my children specifically, and I hope this speaks to some of you today, when they make a simple mistake like spilling red fruit punch on the white carpet or breaking something expensive that they did not purchase because they were not paying attention, I have found that what I do is I continue to create this perfectionistic environment because I'm angry at what they've done and this perfectionist environment that I've created is, is causing me to always be triggered by their humanity. And what that does to them is now they're filled with fear that I need to be perfect or dad is gonna get angry. Children are going to make mistakes. People are going to make mistakes. Are we going to be mad at humanity or sin? And if we're going to be mad at what God gets mad at, we need to be angry at sin, starting with ourselves, starting with our own sin. Can we just pause and pray real quick? Father, I stand on behalf of all of us here who have responded in sinful anger by not allowing ourselves to be controlled in how we're feeling.
Lord, we repent of that. We ask that you forgive us and that you help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And what's Jesus like? What's God our Heavenly Father like? It says he's slow to anger. And just so you know, when James is saying he's slow to anger, he's actually quoting a passage in Exodus chapter 34. Go ahead and turn there. Look on the screens. He's quoting this passage where it says, the Lord passed before him, being Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast, continual love and faithfulness. So what happens is God comes down and he introduces himself to Moses and he says, I'm the Lord, the Lord meaning I'm the one who's in control of everything and you're gonna forget it, so I'm gonna say it again. I'm the Lord who's in control of everything. I'm the Lord, the Lord. And then he proceeds to say that he is slow to anger, meaning he's a God who's capable of anger, but he doesn't start there. He's slow to anger. Maybe you grew up playing games like Pac-Man or Galaga. Do you remember those games? We'll talk about them a little bit more in upcoming weeks, but you watch the screen and there's all these patterns that you have to follow. And, and after you beat the level and you've mastered the pattern, you understand what's happening on the screen, you progress to the next level. The pattern changes a little bit, but if you've ever played those games, it may feel like there is no end to those games. That I keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again and I'm not getting anywhere. But you can beat the game. Galaga and Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man and Centipede and all of those games have an ending. But to get there, you have to do the same thing over and over and over again. This is how God's anger works. He's not saying... I'm a God who never gets angry. But he is saying I'm a God who always loves. Because I am faithful, I am compassionate, and I am slow to anger. You can agitate me, but it takes a very long time of you doing the same sin over and over and over and over again. And this is good news for us. And this is a good example for us to follow. This is why the Bible says in Romans that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. The good news is that God is loving, God is merciful, he is kind, he's gracious, and he's slow to anger. And so when we mess up, when we blow it, when we blow up on other people, we don't have to run away from God because he's gonna hurt us. We can run to him. And receive help. So many of us, we have this picture in our, in our mind of our heavenly father being like so many earthly fathers. Just on the edge of the seat. Just ready to punish you. To tell you where you messed up. But that's not who he is. We, we don't have to run from him. We can run toward him to help us. He's slow to anger. And just so you know, what we just read in Exodus chapter 34. That is the most quoted passage in all of the Bible. I want you to think about that. I'm not talking about people quoting it. 
It's probably John 3, 16, or Jesus swept, or, or, you know, God helps those who help themselves, which is not in the Bible. I'm saying the Holy Spirit of God quotes Exodus 34 more than any other passage in the entire Bible. You think about everything that's in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit says, they're going to forget this often. And so I need to remind them again. And I need to remind them again. I need to remind them again that I am a God who's slow to anger. I'm slow to anger. Are you grateful for a God who's slow to anger? Are you grateful for a God who's full of grace? I want you to write this final point down. Here's how it helps us today. If God is slow to anger toward me, then I can learn how to do the same toward others from him. If he's a God who's slow to anger towards me, I've messed up. I've let you down over and over and over again. He says, well, I have grace for you. Let me grow you. Let me strengthen you. If, if, if God is slow to anger toward me, then I can learn how to do the same toward others from him. You know, at the conclusion of every service, we ask two questions. What are they? What's God teaching you? Come on, local youth. I know you said this past Tuesday. What are you gonna do about it, right? God teaches us about anger, about controlling our anger so it's productive and righteous and not sinful. Well, what are we gonna do about it? How are we gonna put this into practice? Over the next few weeks, even next week, my, my wife and I, we're gonna come and we're gonna teach together for Mother's Day and we're gonna talk about some pro tips of how we can lessen our triggers and keep ourselves from allowing our buttons to be pushed so that we blow up. But a little spoiler. What does it say again in James 1.19? It says this, it says, let every person be what? Quick to hear. Slow to what? Slow to speak, therefore slow to anger. Here's how I want us to conclude today. The point is this. If God's teaching us something, we gotta do something about it. Oftentimes, what we gotta do about it is talk to the people. And I know there's some of us here that we have been the recipient of unrighteous and ungodly and sinful anger. And if we're honest, a lot of us in here, we've done the same to other people. And if we're gonna strengthen our mental health to grow and go and be all that God's called us to be, we gotta let go of it. We gotta release it. We gotta have the conversations with the people we've hurt. We gotta admit when we've been angry to the people that we love. And maybe you're like me. <laughs> and maybe the thought of having that conversation just fills you with anxiety. And maybe you're like me, and because you're filled with anxiety, you know if they pick up the phone and say, why are you calling? Or they sit down the wrong way, or they're looking at their phone while you're trying to talk to them. You're gonna blow up on them. So what do we do today? Let's take a, a small step of faith and let's have the conversation with God first. Let's talk to God about how we feel, how angered we are. Listen, he can handle your anger. He can be the lightning rod of the trial in your life just to take it. So release it to him. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. 
You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.